Let's roll. This is Counter Charge, your podcast for all things Kings of War. as they delve into the world of Mantica and bring you in-depth coverage of all things Kings of War. Welcome to Counter Charge. I'm Felix Castro. I'm Jesus Rodriguez. I'm Ben Stoddard. And I'm Mark Zelinsky. Welcome to another episode of the Narrative Workshop. Well, it's been a little while, guys, since uh, we've been in the workshop. I can't wait to find out what everybody's been up to. And we have a very exciting guest with us tonight. So I'm really, really excited to have Jesus with us and kind of give you some background and, you know, tell us what he does, because I think it is absolutely fascinating. So I'm really looking forward to dig into that. So, but first... Who is Jesus Rodriguez? So, Jesus, why don't you give us a little background story uh, so the Countercharge audience can uh, know who you are. Hi, guys. I'm Jesus. I currently live in New York City. Basically, at this current time, uh, basically locked down for a certain reason that I'm not going to get into, but makes me sad. For my gaming backstory, oof, uh, I'm into a lot of different stuff, honestly. Video games, of course, but I also do uh, tabletop role-playing, playing a wide variety of games, but also in the I guess for this podcast, war gaming specific. How do I start? I guess the first time I really got into war gaming was uh, I went to a boarding school in Connecticut when I was in high school, and I went to a friend's house. And on his table, uh, he had these little figures at the top, at the t- which he explained later were orcs versus these things called space marines. I'm like, okay, that's fascinating. And basically, he started t- tell me about it, and that's where I first started getting into the idea of war gaming and these games and stuff. And when I went to, to New York, I like started reading up on it. I started reading up on the lore of, of the time, Warhammer 40K, reading stuff like the Eisenhorn trilogy, uh, the Space Wolves with Ragnar, all of that stuff. And although I was really into the lore, I couldn't really get it. At least at the time, couldn't get into like the actual gaming part of it because uh, my family wasn't particularly well off. And I really couldn't go up to my parents and go like, mother, father. I know the money is tight, but I would really desire to uh, have some extra cash so I can paint little models and put them on a table and make noises like guns and bullets. So beyond that, uh, so basically I guess just stuck with learning more about the lore. I love reading all the books and over the years, like fascinated by the world of Warhammer 40K and that slowly led into Warhammer Fantasy where I started reading stuff about like Techless and especially the Gotrix and Felix books were my favorite in that universe and so on and so forth. And like I said, over the years, there's just there were various reasons why I can get into the gaming part, but I love looking to the lore part. And over the years, like just reading more and more on it, going on as when YouTube came into prominence, like looking at people playing random games on over it over time. And also getting into like uh, stuff like mini wargaming, especially their narrative war games. And like, like I'm really stuck on a on a wargaming video or or watching a game if there's like a narrative behind it because I can imagine like the progression of the story as the the as the roles determine where the story is good, which I guess is another reason why I love uh, tabletop role playing because I love how the roll of dice can change the story entirely, which of course led me to what I do now, where I just love talking about the lore of say Warhammer, but also kings of war and similar war games and that's my story in a nutshell i guess well fantastic well we're looking forward to dive into that a little deeper but first why don't we go ahead and dive in on hobby as i mentioned before it's been a while so felix what do you have up on the hobby table right now 
Well, right now, definitely uh, more Northern Alliance. Beginning of 2020, had a little over 2,000 points of Northern Alliance painted up. I think at last glance, I'm at like 4,300 plus points of Northern Alliance painted up. So that's still a thing, working on that. So right currently, it's Snow Trolls. I'm working on a second horde of Snow Trolls. And also working on a secret project. Those that are in the know know about it, and those that don't, don't need to know about it yet. So, haha. But uh, that's me on the table. Uh, and then looking at it, yeah, it's about 44. So just under 4,500 points of, of Northern Alliance so far painted up. So, so Felix, you did a great job in the uh, Northern Alliance Army review. That was fantastic. So is this an outgrowth of that? How many more points of unbuilt Northern Alliance do you have? Or are you done? Or are you buying more? Or what's the story? Well, to my left, there's a box of ice naiads that's not opened yet. So, yes, there's still more. And now that they made Pack Hunters regular, uh, I'm, I'm back to opening up my nor, uh, human clansman boxes to start making more Pack Hunter uh, units. So, yeah, don't know, there's still plenty of uh, plenty of Northern Alliance coming. I, how many of them might actually see the table? That's a different story entirely. But uh, <laughs> uh, at least would night. Get to the point where I'd be like, hmm, what do I want in my list? And just be able to pick off the shelf and see what I have versus, you know, having to quickly paint up something, you know, in a hotel room day prior to a tournament. Remember those things, tournaments, yeah, back in the day? Someday. But, yeah. Are, is the Painters of Panathor still going? I haven't seen an update in a while. How are the Abyssal Dwarfs doing? They're buried under Northern Alliance right now. Yeah. Painted up, I think I had another... Uh, probably only about two or three drops before I uh, kind of lost the hobby mojo towards the end of uh, fall and then kind of picked it back up in the wintertime with the Northern Alliance. And uh, I think there was what else I was going to be wor- working on. Mm. Yeah, mostly just Northern Alliance. And then a little bit of painting. I got some Armada ships, but I, I don't have any fleets. I, I just have like you know, a handful of ships, but. Very good. So, secret project? Are you telling us we have to go to After Dark to get the get the inside skinny on that? Or no, actually, the guys on After Dark don't even know. That's how secret this is. Almost double secret. So, wow, that is double secret. So, all right, I won't push it too hard. So, hey Zeus, do you have any hobby up on the desk or anything like that, or uh, what are you working on in general, or games you're playing? Oh well, uh, recently a fan. Uh, a fight on the Patreon gave me enough money to start my first real army, not in Kings of War, but in Age of Sigmar, which I'm kind of working on. And as I'm working on that, I realized that once I'm done with that, I think I might actually just build up an actual Kings of War army since I'm already doing lore videos on that for one of my free three favorite factions, the Ogres, which is going to be pretty awesome. And on the lore side, I'm currently working on the next video, which is going to be on the Ratkin. I can already hear Steve Hildrew's heart skipping a beat. <laughs> and Alex, too. So. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, well, we've got some big Ratkin fans that are hosts of the show. So. Honestly, yeah, I'm reading the lore, and they're, they're fun. Oh, absolutely. So, you know, I don't know if I'm a big fan with the direction they're taking them with this World War One vibe so they can go back and forth between Dead Zone and stuff. So I was really up for them, and now I'm kind of checking the box in the middle to see which way they go. So... When I first saw the images of like so the Broodmother, and I saw, I was like, I'm 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 still not sure. Like it's been done before, like in, in like other uh, games and other armies, like transitioning between the two. I'm I'm seeing how it goes. We'll see. 
that means I'm not alone in that thought. So <laughs> that's great. Ben, you're always painting something. Well, not much right now. It's cold and it's snowy. But other than that, I've still got my Night Stalkers on the table. I'm trying to take them because by then I by the end of April I should have all my shots and they're going to let me back out into the public kind of thing so I'm hoping to make it to Lone Wolf you know if everything goes according to plan so I'm hoping to take the Night Stalkers with me to that beyond that my dad actually got a 3D printer for Christmas and he's a kid in a candy shop with that he keeps printing off all these different things and so my son's birthday is coming up here pretty soon so he printed him off a like a one-tenth scale spider-man and handed it to me and said hey you you paint things right can you paint this up for your kid so i can give it to him for his birthday <laughs> so so that's that's one of my projects on on my table right now and yeah between those two things i'm pretty busy plus i've got a couple of irons in the fire for wing to sar that i'm working on so that's that's keeping me pretty busy between all the in the world of hobby anyways well that's pretty unique i haven't heard of people having their dad do their 3d printing so is he printing you an army sometime soon is that on your wish list or he's still very much so in the in the beginning stages of it and uh so we've got a lot of like chess pieces and stuff floating around the house now because he keeps giving the excess stuff to me but mm-hmm. um uh right now he's still he's still learning hasn't quite gotten down to the uh high quality printing yet there's still a lot of uh wompy supports and stuff like that he's still very much a beginner but he, he's he's learning along, and it's not bad considering he's almost 80. So the fact that he's playing around with this kind of stuff and that's that's his hobby is it's pretty impressive, honestly. But yeah, he, he hasn't got quite the uh, high resolution down for for that kind of printing yet. Well, most of us try to get our kids to paint our stuff. See, so now you've got Dad to print out your army. So that's awesome. <laughs> well, you know, I don't have my mom and dad anymore. So cherish every moment of it, Ben. For myself, well, I am uh, sitting here in a pile of resin halflings. I'm so excited. Kawi did me a solid and um, fixed this shipping snafu, and voila, I have got uh, all my resin halflings from the third breakfast Kickstarter. I am working on an all-mounted Rorty, of force, so I've got uh, the only GW models I have in that force are... um, some of the demigriffs that, of course, you know, are going to be the honor guard. And then I have got all mounted halflings. I've got scouts with bows, scouts with spears. I've got uh, knights. I've got the uh, all the varieties of knights. I've got the champions. I've got the mounted um, sorceress. I am ready. I'm very excited. Uh, I started cleaning them up today. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. So the goblin uh, army list is going on hold. I've got a lot of that built. but And I've got my Basileans built for the uh, No Stress Hobby Challenge. But, oh, yeah, I, I'm excited. So I've got to get some of this cleaned up so I can post in the uh, Facebook thread. So uh, Crozier will keep me in the drawing. Oh, hold it. I'm the one giving out the gift certificate. So anyways, uh, I'll do it anyways. But it's great. If And if you haven't checked it out, go to the Facebook page, uh, the Countercharge Facebook page, that is, and check out the Hobby Challenge. Uh, Matt takes care of it, thankfully. Uh, I really, really appreciate that. And everybody's posting over there. So um, even if you haven't participated in the previous weeks, jump in. It's a good time. Uh, we'll go ahead and draw the winner of a $50 gift card. 
to, you know, wherever you want to do it, Mantic or your local game store or something like that. And we'll take care of that. Uh, I'm sponsoring it this time around. I think Matt's tossing in another prize as well this time around. And then we'll have a little break and then we'll probably bring it back again. So it is a great time. I find it a wonderful motivator to do hobby. And uh, you don't have to do Kings of War, Jesus. You can do 40K, Age of Sigmar, doesn't matter. You know, paint an arm, you know, build a figure, whatever you need to do. Just that little bit of hobby every week just to keep us motivated. All right, well, hey, we're going to slide into a quick commercial break. We're going to come back on the other side, and then we're going to dive a little bit deeper into why our special guest is with us tonight. I am Kyle, Dino Lord Poole, King of the Goblins, and you're listening to Counter Charge. And we're back. Well, like we said earlier, with uh, Jesus introducing himself, he's going to be a great guest today talking about you know what he's brought, brought to kind of the kings of war world of lore uh, i guess mm-hmm. and you know start off the questions from ben uh ben how about you so asus you've got your arvandus is it arvandus or arvandus arvandus arvandus, arvandus okay. is much more pretentious so I, that's why I picked it yeah i'm all about the pretentiousness <laughs> all right so so you've already covered kind of like what your gamer backstory is we've got mm-hmm. some information on you there so what kind of i mean you you've kind of already touched on this topic a little bit but let's get a little bit more in depth into kind of the magic behind it is what what drew you to this concept of doing lore videos where did you get this idea from and and kind of take us through that creative process that you go through okay well what originally started me is when uh games workshop originally blew up the old world when they basically wiped out warhammer fantasy and put in age of sigmar i'm like okay that's a change uh let's see what they do with it i read the first I think they were called like uh, Grand Alliance books. I'm like, there's building something. I mean, there's not a lot of information. I've got a rough idea of where it's going. And I started reading more about it. And as with as they started coming out with the battle tones, I'm like, okay, I can see where they're going. They're slowly expanding the world. And as I began reading, I'm like, I kind of want to write about this sort of thing and maybe talk about it. And I've been thinking about doing YouTube for a while. I just never could really think of an idea that I wanted to do. And then this one just slowly started unfolding in my head. So I, I don't want it to. And honestly, it's like there weren't a lot of, at least at the time, Major Sigmar videos uh, specifically talking about the lore. So I'm like, OK, I'll be, I guess we'll be one of the first and I'll start doing the thing. And then at that point, I was like, OK, so what sort of videos do I want to do? I originally wanted to consider doing like, you know, just like talking randomly about the lore. But that didn't really interest me just like just straight up talking about what's been happening and that's when i came up with the idea of like just doing it sort of in character in that universe either different characters in it or maybe like one person from that world explaining what's going on and i did it already with like in my tabletop role-playing games what i did when i was a gm and like writing in universe like stuff for my 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 players so i'm like i can definitely do that i have some experience in writing and like every other person i thought about writing a novel and never do it because i have think of a million excuses not to do it so i'm like might as well write a novel except in much shorter chunks on with my pretty voice on a youtube channel and basically from there i just started at first it was just regular age of sigmar but that became in uh, fascinated with the stories in other war games and this was like i I've been wanting to get into other war games and study it, but I never really had an excuse to. But now I did. And I started expanding my range. One of the first one of them being Kings of War. I remember picking up the second edition Kings of War book and started reading the through through the lore. I'm like, okay, this is I'm, this is interesting. Uh what the direction they're going. They're go, doing their own thing. 
And that's when I decided to do my first video in Kings of War, which was about the time of light. And I did it in a I remember I liked doing it because I did it as a demon from the abyss explaining to a guy he's about to torture. It's like, oh, you want you're a scholar and you actually came to the abyss to learn about this. OK, I'm going to do this. I'm going to torture you afterwards, but I'll tell you about the time of light. And I did that first video. I'm like, OK, this is nice. And then I moved on from there. And then the third edition of Kings of War came out and I started reading that. I'm like, oh, they're really expanding on this. They're really making this its own thing. And I really like the direction they're going with it, like making it its own specific world with its own specific, like, of course, factions, but each one of feeling very different from each other and having a the building up to a solid universe and connecting everything and slowly building up from there. And that's how I basically started doing not only Warhammer and Kings of War, but other worlds and other universes, because I feel like there's tons of videos on like Warhammer. Everyone has seen a bunch of Warhammer, but there's not a lot of videos on lore for other war games. Others really good creative war games with interesting lore that people have put people like these creators have put their hearts and soul into. And I thought I should put these games out there because there's other war games out there. And like a lot of people like me, they only get into the game if they're really into the lore. So I should present the lore out there because, at least in my opinion, most people won't immediately pick up a book to read the lore. They want to be – either they have a friend who – like what well, happened to me, they have a friend who tugged them into the universe or they see something online that like also does it. And I thought maybe I could be that person or one of those people who presents that alternate universe and they'd be like, OK, I'm, I'm interested in Kings of War, but this is – this is something I might want to get into, and then they can themselves research into it. And so began my process of creating these videos. And for my process, it's stop and go. Basically, it starts with me like uh, trying to find a particular faction or part of the lore that really like fascinates me. That I immediately come up with a character or or point in the st- a character that is explaining this and like. A good reason why this character is explaining is to you. It, there's a lot of like people waking up with amnesia, of course, things of that sort, and basically explain the story to that person. So basically, I, I start with basically trying to find the character, and then spending the time like writing up all the information I have, usually from the main book of like lore, and then the particular units of the army, because I try to introduce not only the lore but like the actual individual units, you know, just to get a person a good idea of like what they're all about. And then once I have all the information down, I start basically mix and matching. Sometimes it could for a particular faction could be, okay, here's chunk of lore. And then I explain each individual unit if it fit, makes sense. What I prefer is like, here's a bunch of lore. Here are the units. How do I fit this particular, these units into this story about the lore? Like I have a particular unit of these uh, particular knights these knights are in this order, so I put it. I put these knights in the orders like the order of Saint Augustine, blah blah blah, and they're known for these units who are capable of doing this. And then I move on from there. And once I have that all down, then I start basically putting that into an actual story, or basically this person explaining in character, basically to this character, to a class, or whoever, like about this particular faction. And once that's done. Once I have spent the time writing it and editing it and editing it again, and I go to what I consider the hardest part, recording. And I call it the hardest part is because I don't live in the quietest neighborhood. And whenever there's – I swear to God, whenever I'm getting ready, something – there's always somebody either upstairs or next 
next door who decided this is a great time to have a party. Just I don't know how they know. But every single time there is like someone dancing or something. I'm like, oh, God. But once I find the time to record, usually late at night when I'm too tired and I should be going to sleep, I go through the process of editing it a couple of times, making sure that there's good music and stuff, putting it all together. And then once I have that, I go online, find good pictures to go with the particular video. And that's also a pretty hard part. Like usually it's pretty easy, like especially if it's a lot of getting content from uh, either the main book or from the official website. And if if there's not enough pictures, I go into the wonderful world of public domain and find pictures that I think would definitely fit with the character of not only the story, but of the universe that they're in, like fitting, especially uh, pictures that fit like a particular unit that's no actual picture for that would just sort of make sense or gives at least gives you an idea of what that unit is all about. I put it all together and I just put on YouTube and hope people like it. And that's my process in a nutshell. And then I take a week nap because apparently I it takes it takes a lot of energy. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it sounds like you've got a lot of things that are in common with uh, a lot of the times I've I've listened to some interviews with like voice actors and especially yes. with like dubbing actors and things like that. Mm-hmm. What you're describing seems to be very commonplace among those uh, among those kind of professions, if you will, because it kind mm-hmm. of is a mini second job, it seems like. Yeah, yeah. But I, I love doing it. So that's what I do. There's a lot to unpack in what you were just talking about, especially okay. with the talking about the lore and going through it i think it's really fascinating that you you create a character within the world mm-hmm. i've listened to a bunch of your uh your like abbreviated lore uh, videos and it, it it never really clicked to me that that was your process now looking back on it with you saying that it makes sense now that that's that's where it starts from and that you build from there mm-hmm. um but that's uh that's a very interesting thing and it sounds like you have your roots kind of like in dungeons and dragons or something oh, yeah. along those lines and oh, uh, uh, game management uh, oh yeah a, a bunch of different i actually have a tabletop role-playing podcast right now fanable.com if you're interested but uh <laughs> that where i play me and my group just play like a ton of different games like we're really into playing different indie role-playing games and just playing through that and like we've we've been i've been doing that podcast for 10 years so i have 10 years experience like just gming tons of different games and reading tons of different books with different lore and writing all this stuff so this i get i'm not gonna say it comes naturally to me but i just like like it's just i like doing it so hey zeus have you heard of the new kings of war role-playing game that's been much delayed but uh i know i've played a demo of it I did actually read through the quick story. That was found it pretty interesting. I will most most likely, I can't guarantee, but I will most likely, when it comes out, give it a try. I, I have actually played, what was the name of, sorry, Age of Sigmar Soulbound on my channel with my friends. So I will definitely, if we can get, uh, manage it, probably play Kings of War online as well. Well, that's pretty cool. Um, you know, I'll try to hook you up with Mark Langworthy. He's the guy that's uh, taking care of it all. So uh, I'll see if I can get you a little direct contact there and... Uh, Maybe he can uh, hook you up and uh, you can do a little work together and uh, spread the word of uh, the Kings of War uh, role-playing. Now, they've got it set up in two ways. One, they got the Tricore system, and then two, they have 5th edition version, which is the one I'm looking forward to. So I played the Tricore. It was all right, but I'm looking to see what they did with the 5th ed compatible. So, and uh, we actually do a role-playing, when it comes out, we've actually had a couple role-playing game uh, segments here on Countercharge. So... We might have to touch base with you on that. So when that comes out. So going back to the lore videos, which 
that ties in heavily with the role-playing game because I know there's going to be a lot of role in the role-playing books when they come out because mm-hmm. uh, Mark's reached out to a lot of writers and a lot of people that are quote-unquote professionals in the in the lore section of that, and he's had people writing for him, I know. So there's going to be a lot of uh, juicy tidbits in there as well that you'll probably want to pick up if not for, if for nothing else than that. But going back to, uh, to, the, to the lore videos themselves – one thing that I've noticed with them is that they kind of do a good job of introducing the factions, which I, I think was your was one of your purposes for it. Yep, definitely. Um, so if you were to speak with someone who is brand new to the to the to this game, to Kings of War specifically in this case, how would you approach that? And how what are some things that you would really want to bring their attention to, like your favorite parts of the lore, good places to start for a new player that's kind of come in because. Anytime you start a new game, it, it always feels like there's this these you know Bible length <laughs> lore books background that they have to read to be able to fully mm. understand what's going on, and it's just such a daunting task. Where, how would you direct a newcomer to the lore to where they should go, what they should get started, what are some cool high points to focus on, things of that nature? Well, for me personally, like the way I usually I personally got into it is basically first off. If you have a friend who's really into it already, hopefully you have a leg up there, just talk to him and then they generally talk about the stuff that they really are excited about. And they and those friends are usually – usually – well, it depends on how excited they are about it, like going down to the core of what they really like about it. But if you just – if you don't have it and you're interested in a particular lore, I, in my personal opinion, just look through it, look through the various pictures and stuff like that and generally just – it look through and find something that just catches your right attention. Like you say, for example, see a picture of a particular faction. It's like, oh, that particular unit looks pretty cool. Let's learn a little bit about that. And you start small of like, okay, this unit is part of this faction and they do this and that. And that might go further in into like more about that particular faction. I think the best way, and at least in my opinion, is not to basically burn a person with like you have to – well, you have to read these particular books to get an idea or even – I mean, I love the lore books. I love like when they put a ton of lore in the main rule book. But for a new player, that can be a bit daunting, like having to read all of that stuff. Just like go on a wiki, perhaps, and like just read about go to a unit and then read about little tidbits about a faction. Like start small. That's how the corruption starts. And then it grabs you. Quick plug in there for the KOW wiki page. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And those guys are doing a lot of a lot of good work over there, too. Mm-hmm. So that that's a great suggestion. What are some of the high points for you then? If someone were to ask you, what would be some of the high points for you in the lore as far as what you think is the the cool thing or what you think – what you would like to see developed in that regard or maybe some things that you think are really well developed and that you are excited to learn more about? What are some, what are some of those highlights for you? Well, I have a couple of things. Uh, first, reading through all the – faction and stuff like i have my the lore and specifically they've effectively become my three favorite factions one good one neutral and one evil the good ones uh being the northern alliance which i'm a huge fan of not because they're just they look cool and but also because of like their concept like they're they're literally an alliance alliance of different races working together and basic to basically fight the evils or the neutrals, or sometimes the good, if Basileia has its way, of the world. And and I just like the idea of these 
groups working together like because most of the other armies are tend to be just either one race or one just organizing body but like this is like a confederation of people working together i mean admittedly is under one particularly charismatic leader talonar but and who knows if talonar goes will that alliance hold together that's another thing that's also like a good tension but i also like the idea uh, to see one thing further developed is in the lore like they have the idea of like is there something hidden deep within the great ice city uh of what was the name of the ice city i, I just lost chill. Chill, chill thank you how could i not forget the name chill but <laughs> but basically uh there, there's this concept like, is there something hidden inside Chill that gives them the Talonor some great advantage? And you know what I really want to see? I want to see a moment when either if either the Abyss or some other faction goes into the hearts of Chill to find that hidden secret. They open the door and they sign a strange scroll in the center. They open it and it's a it's a clear it's basically uh they open it and it's basically a paper mirror and they just see their face and there's Talonor in the back going like. The power was in you all along because basically I like the idea of like there is no secret power behind the Northern Alliance. It's just people working together. Unlike other factions like, oh, they have to depend on shining ones or of gods or something. No, screw all that. We're just working our butts off and that's all we're going to do. I want it to just be just regular people fighting together. That's that's right. why I love the Northern Alliance as a concept. You heard it here for first, <laughs> folks. The secret to the Northern Alliance is the friends they made along the way. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. The power of friendship. <laughs> That's right. For my neutral, it is the ogres. Practically because I just love how practical they are. Like they look like big brutes, but there's like an intelligence to them. They're smart. They just they're smart people, and I think. They're so practical. They don't care about the other stuff that other factions care about. It's like, what about honor and what about like building great cities? Like, nah, we like living in huts. We got, we like going around. I mean, we're as intelligent as you guys, but we just, they're like, uh, how do I explain this? They're like the sort of like the orcs of Warhammer 40k, except without the focus on war. They're like, they all they care about is living a good life, and if that involves fighting and sleeping, that's fine. And they seem out of all the factions, like it's, they seem the happiest. If that's the weird way of saying it, is like, yeah, we like fighting, we do our thing. And the one of the things that really struck me is like when basically a new leader comes up, he's like, yeah, I've proved that he's a better leader. The the head league guy goes like, okay, cool, and steps down. There's no fight. There's no battle for like dominance. There's no there's no uh, emotion. Like there's no like another uh, feelings of jealousy. Well, no feelings of real jealousy. That. Uh, at least when it comes to uh, those things, it can come back later in other ways. And that's what really like I just really like about the faction. And also like the way they look is also pretty cool. And that's another part of it as well. Like these big uh, brutes, like just smashing stuff, smashing stuff, but they're smart about it. And they don't like let little things like that affect other factions get in their way. And my favorite of the evil factions is basically the Night Stalkers. Because I'm a, just a huge fan of Lovecraftian monsters and madness, and that's that. And when I saw their their imagery, and I saw about their story of like, of like, there's no, there's that they act more like less like individuals and more like a hive mind. I'm like, okay, this and the way and the way they're slowly corrupting and like gaining in power. Like every time they show up and scare more people, uh, the more people they scare with their corruption, the more the the gaps between dimensions widens until one day they might just over entirely overcome makes them in a way much scarier than the abyssals. The abyssals, you understand, they're just evil. But but the night stalkers, you don't know what they're about and you may never know be, because doing so may drive you mad. 
But as for stuff I want to see develop, I do want to see more stuff develop about the cosmology of like the stuff outside of Panathor, like the universe outside of Panathor, like not like the nature of the abyss, like because there's rumors that like it pops into other dimensions. Like are the abyssals like corrupting other worlds? Like did uh when Damavar like created that split and put them in there, did he like unintentionally like destroy other worlds trying to save their own? And also the relationship between the abyss and the night stalkers. Like is the abyssal plane just like a little pocket dimension in the main world, uh, the main universe or border between universes that the the things leading the night suckers are in and honestly this would be fascinating if they did it like a if one of these days they did it like a a battle between evils like if there was a war between the abyssal evil the abyssals and the night stalkers and all the other factions were like oh sure let them fight and then and when it gets so bad it's like oh oh if one of these guys wins we lose so we're gonna have to pick a side and basically it'd be all the factions go like do do we join an evil side, guys? Is this what we're doing right now? <laughs> That's something I would love to see. Campaign idea, I guess. Oh, yeah. Be, yeah. You know, for, for a narrative tank campaign. To, yeah. yeah. That's, that's actually kind of neat. You know, I, I think you, you kind of speak when you talk about the Night Stalkers. I think a lot of the, the appeal is that kind of un, unknowable evil, mm-hmm. I guess, in a way. Kind of like a, exactly. how the, uh, the aliens from the films, like, because they're so not like humanoid really they, they don't think like a humanoid like mm-hmm. you're saying you know uh for the nature of evil uh, you can see in the abyss that there is a logic that they operate off of it may not be a logic we entirely understand but you can tell they have a thought process when they do the things that they do there's mm-hmm. something that drives them in a belief or, or whatever but like night stalkers are just like yeah it's, it's a bunch of nightmares made manifest we think I mean, that's as far as we've been able to explain it to ourselves, but uh, we don't know what's going on. So, yeah, it is pretty interesting take that, you know, that's just why that's the appeal of Night Stalkers, because they are sort of unknowable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I think that is probably one of Mantic's strongest IPs that they've created is the Night Stalkers, because mm-hmm. it just fits. There's so many different ways you can take it, and it's so open to interpretation, and it's... It's a lot of fun to think about it. To me, the thing that draws me to them is that forlorn aspect to them because they're they're these they're the definition of a lost soul kind of thing, and it talks about that and and just that terrifying idea that we all have that fear of being isolated or alone or that unknowable thing like you were talking about, uh, Felix. Just it's terrifying, and yet we're we're drawn to the abyss kind of thing of that of that whole idea because. The abyssals, like you're saying, they they have that logic. They we we may not fully agree with it. We may not fully understand it, but we can at least see that there's there's some definitive goal that they have uh, that that's that's defined in their minds. Whereas with the night stalkers, it's almost animalistic in many ways, with a few glimmers of genuine intelligence that just deepens that horror aspect of it. And with that note, you'll probably be interested in the next in one of the upcoming novels that are coming out. I'm just quick plug there. There you go. Well, the thing that scares me about the Night Stalkers is that this all came from Matt Gilbert's head. So I would hate to see his therapy bills. Just a therapist crying in a corner whenever he leaves the office. Oh, God. We've had Matt on the show before. And he's like, yeah, you know, the pictures in that book, it wasn't quite right is how I pictured it. I'm like. 
man, if you're dreaming about this stuff, wow. <laughs> so, I mean, that's a, that's incredible. And uh, speaking of novels, uh, Jesus, that sounds like a great idea for a novel. Um, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. There you go. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Uh, we happen to have uh, lots of connections with Wing Tassar Publishing. So, uh, you know, I don't know if you know, but uh, Ben here that you're talking to is uh, – did the second novel for Kings of War and uh, is also writing for the role-playing game as well. And I think has another novel in the pipeline. So is there now? It's true. Yes. There's wow. I think Steve did a, a really good video that kind of puts in place all the wing Tassar novels, mm-hmm. uh, at least within a general approximation of when they happen and all that kind of stuff and what's all in the works and all that kind of stuff. And there's things that he put up there that I didn't know about. And so I would recommend checking out that video and taking a look at where all the all the things that we've got in the works coming out in the near future within the next few years or so. And that's the Steve Hildrews <laughs> Death by Dragons channel? Yes, that is correct. Awesome. We'll have to put a link to the video in the in the show notes or something. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's fantastic. But uh, that's another idea, too, is, you know, we've got these novels coming out, Jesus, and, you know, there's two of them published so far, one audio book, so... There may be a little extra fodder for the channel there, too. So, Yeah, that would be awesome. I'd love to hear what you thought of the books, uh, in particular one in in particular. <clears throat> but <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no plugging there at all, Ben, right? No, nothing at all, no. No, no, mm-hmm. if, if I plug my podcast, feel free to plug. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's great. So on, on, the, on the inverse of this, there's also one of the main criticisms of Kings of War that we hear – repeated several times is that that the lore is still undercooked or underdeveloped that there's not enough of it um and all of that and i'm curious where do you stand on that issue what and we we've already talked a little bit about well we've talked quite a bit about what you'd like to see developed in the lore of the kings of war um but what what do you think about it is it reaching a point where you'd call it because the lore is never f- officially finished so long as a game is living, right? So there's always yeah. things that are going to be expanding and developing. But are you – are you on, on which side of the debate are you that it's still in its developmental stages or do you think it's reached a point that – it's reached that that point where the development now is extraneous or doesn't need to go any further? That's a poor way of putting it, but it's reached <laughs> – because it cannot again but that it's reached that point of like the pinnacle where now everything develops on top of this is is gravy but we still have that core world to draw upon if that makes sense yeah that that totally makes sense i mean if you if you were talking about the second edition of kings of war i would have totally agreed with you like it felt like they were trying to go for something but it needed to be expanded a third edition was uh, night and day when it came to lore and like and they expand about a lot of stuff I, I will admit like my only uh the only thing i've really read about the lore, lore has been in the main books i haven't read any of the novels uh or anything yet so i can't say about what those particular novels but for the lore book itself i'm gonna be honest like reading through there were things that there were small felt like small inconsistencies and like things that uh didn't click click until you thought about it a little while and I realized then that it's it's at a point – I will say this. It is at a point where they can put it in many different directions. Like they've put enough in the world. I don't want a uh, lore book that explains everything. I want to have plenty of questions because that's great campaign fodder. 
And this, the lore as it is right now, is really good campaign fodder. It's not done because, like you said, a living world is not done. I still want expansions and explorations of different aspects. But reading through the book, I already came up with a ton of different ideas. Like, there's a ton of unanswered questions that I could, like, if I did a war game campaign or role playing campaign, I can explore my own in my own particular way. And it also, uh, in the nature of a good story, like, I guess one good example since we're talking about the Night Stalkers. Uh, one of the lines from the Night Stalkers is like, oh, there was a theory that like the reason people inherently fear the Night Stalkers is because there's like in our blood, there's this theory that like uh, our an- we still have the fear of ancestors of these strange creatures because they corrupted us with fear of some sort or something like that. And then but you read the time of gods and you're like, when did this happen during the time of gods? Like because in the time of gods, they say they put in general like, oh, who knows how many centuries or how many thousands of years happened between the birth of like the elves and humans and like the time of light. So like during that time of light, like something I considered, something I considered putting in the main time of, uh, of the gods, but I couldn't really make her the time. So I'll tell you right now is one line I wanted to say is like, maybe it was during this time between the time of the creation of the elves and humans and stuff and the time of light sometime in between there when the gods were still powerful, like there was a war between the gods and the predecessors to the night stalkers. But that was just lost in history because that was so long ago, and that's something you could explore in a future update. So, like, at least, I, it, so to put it in like too long didn't read terms, I think there's enough lore right now to c- call it not complete because it's never complete, but like enough to make a good war game, enough and enough to make write books about it, enough to explore and expand upon. That's a pretty <clears> good uh, way of uh, encapsulating it. Mm-hmm. I think kind of what we were, I think what. Ben was trying to allude to is, you know, is that critical mass, you mm-hmm. know, like when is there enough yes. storyline that, <laughs> you know, people are just be like, yes, this is enough. Cause like you said, I, I, I think in second edition, it was very much like, wow, this first edition stuff really worked mm-hmm. and they were starting to draw in some stuff. And then now I've gets by the time they're thinking, you know what, we're going to have a third edition on this one. <laughs> let's, let's really start to kind of, fill in the structures that we had. And like you said, mm-hmm. you don't want the structure to be completely ever filled in. Cause that just strangles creativity. Mm-hmm. You just want to leave just enough, you know, gaps in the story and just enough. That it's not annoying. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's like, why did they not explain this? What is this plot hole going on here for? <laughs> but just enough that people feel like it's a lived in world. It's complete. And that they can feel their stories that they're playing in the game hidden in that. So, but yeah, I think that's what just you know hitting that critical mass. I think is they're definitely heading towards the right direction. Now, if they're there yet or not, who knows? Once these new novels start coming out, and then the role playing game, which is going to have a lot more uh, lore and stories put into it uh, as this edition develops, um, we'll see. Because I know uh, one thing that Mantic has done is uh, they've done before, like uh, the Edge of the Abyss campaign, mm-hmm. or Eye of the Abyss, as uh, Ronnie likes to call it, <laughs> which actually helped write the story of the world and, and gave players that feeling of, you know, hey, we did this. I know they were planning on doing one, I think, in 2020, but obviously things had other plans, so we didn't, weren't able to do a worldwide campaign. But I'm imagining as Mantic starts developing those stories more and then have these, you know, definitely help put them towards that critical mass. Awesome. Yeah, the thing I'm looking forward to uh, in particular is Clint Werner, C.L. Werner, is writing a uh, trilogy, right, Ben? Yep. 
at least multiple books right now it's planned trilogy yeah so i mean i'm really looking forward to cl werner writing a novel for um kings of war and it's going all the way back to the beginning so it should be really exciting i don't think we can talk much about it ben so but i am really really excited about this uh, set of books i have already pre-ordered the first novel uh during the christmas sale so <laughs> i'm i'm ready to go so uh Definitely very excited about that. And that, that's one of the things I just wanted to bring up is, you know, now the lore is starting to uh, – now, Ben, you're a quality author, so I'm not trying to say anything about you, okay? But, you know, I mean, we're getting the likes of C.L. Werner to write a novel for us now, so. I understand what I said. <laughs> so that's really, really exciting. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that, and uh, I think that's that's part of it. You know, going forward. And, you know, the other thing, uh, Jesus, I don't know if you're aware of or not, but we actually have a kind of like a lore committee or something like that that uh, tries to stitch all of the different threads together. Remember, I heard you say something about consistency. So we've got a big uh, thing. Now, I'm not on this committee. I know I talked about forming it, but I know, Ben, I think you're part of the cabal. So. Kind of. I'm not exactly. I don't. I, this is the thing about the cabal, I guess, is you never really know if you're on the thing or if you do, then you're higher up. Oh, than me, oh it's, so. a cult. <laughs> it's a cult. That makes perfect sense. Is there a secret I mean, handshake? Or yeah, that's, that's one of those things. Uh, if you talk too much, that sends Matt Gilbert with the uh, Black <laughs> Elephant Arpers coming. So. Uh, okay. yeah, the, the Night Stalkers might have more of a real world uh, <laughs> allegory to them. So. I wouldn't worry too much about Matt Gilbert. I'd worry about Brandon and Vince. Yeah, that, so, but, that's uh, true. <laughs> they're, they're much scarier than Matt. <laughs> All right, so I I just have this one last question. Is kind of like an idea for where you might be thinking about taking your YouTube channel in the future. I know you've done overview videos for the lore, and I know you do them for other games as well. Um, but have you ever thought about going back and doing deeper dives, kind of like what we were discussing today about really getting into some fan theory kind of ideas and really getting into, well, if this means this, then this could mean this. Like, who are Ray's parents really in Star <laughs> Wars and stuff like that? Yep. But, like, have, have you ever thought about doing anything along those lines or are you still kind of – uh, wanting to work through all the material because the, the the path that you've taken so far and the the content that you've produced is excellent mm-hmm. and it's but it, it it's all very much so because there's so much to get through mm-hmm. it's all very much kind of um at a glance kind of material which is a great thing to have and a great resource for the communities but have you ever considered where you're going to go from here once you've eventually worked your way through all of this stuff maybe or do you see that happening in the future anytime soon I mean, I, I, I consider it. I have, I'll be honest, I haven't put too much thought into it. I've been mainly focused on getting these videos, which I wish I could get faster. But, you know, real life has its own concerns. But like when I tried, yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> but I try to put these out as much as I can. But like my main focus right now is like I, I prefer doing the overview videos because it's because honestly, overview videos are generally easier, not only because I like the idea of like uh getting these videos out for regular people to like get into the lore but also it's it's more conducive to for a like narrative of like this random person just tells you about this lore it's it's a lot harder for like hi uh, my name is bob and i know everything about this particular faction uh by the way i know that the main character in this faction likes herbal tea and stuff like that but what i one thing i do want to deep dive like because it's it, it does help with a narrative to have a narrative focus on this is like i do like the idea of doing fan theories 
like I have con- like thought about maybe at some point doing a, just a random video of like, so what do the ogres do with all that money? Like, honestly, I've been wondering for like years and like, like maybe like do a fake, maybe a fake story about people going on epic expedition into to where the ogres live. Artovician plane. Yeah. Thank or you. No, the man steps. <laughs> no, man steps. You're right. And like just like finding who knows what horrors and like trying to piece it all together because like as soon as I read that part, I was like, what what do they do with that money? Like, is there like a is there a pile of stones? Is it like part of some ritual, or maybe they just like show it off and then jumping into a cavern because they're so practical they don't care. <laughs> that, that and like similar stuff like that, like maybe a video about like what is the nature of the real nature of the abyss? Like, are there other dimensions, other worlds, and just like what is the nature of like the wicked ones are well evil, straight up evil. So shouldn't the shiny ones be super good, or is it just order and chaos? But like because sh- you see indications the shiny ones aren't necessarily good; they're just very orderly. So like in in their eyes, is a like is someone who steals a loaf of bread as bad as someone who like kills a person? Like is there degrees, or are they just very focused on because the shiny ones are the straight up good half? Like is there no is there no gray because of that? And like, is that why Basile is just so strict? Because under the shiny ones, like, yeah, they're 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 super zealous. And like, I mean, I guess Basile is technically good, but you know, there's there's a lot of religious persecution and people like pointing at their friends and neighbors so that they can show off to their shiny one masters. And I have opinions about Basile is what I'm trying to tell you right now. <laughs> so putting that out there, but that's that's my main idea. It's like if I do want to maybe do some sort of weird conspiracy theory or fan videos at some point in the future, hopefully. Well, Jesus, I'll keep you on speed dial because we are actually going to do that episode. Oh, really? Basilea, good or bad? <laughs> yes, we're gonna we're gonna have a round table. Oh, so uh, I, uh, I'm gonna keep you on speed dial for do. that. So we've had this conversation ourselves a couple of times on the show about uh the different factions and and going off on rabbit hole tangents and whatnot and all that kind of stuff and it's a lot of fun to talk about it and i think i'm really looking forward to those videos if and or when you get to them Mm -hmm. i enjoy the overview videos that are they're a great resource for me when i'm like "Uh, let me go refresh my memory on this (laughs) faction because i'm not 100 percent sure i'm portraying them correctly in in whatever thing i'm working on um and so it's been it's been a great help for me in that regards yeah I, I i'm just glad that there's somebody willing to do that work because there's a lot of that to do and it, i think it's really important and i think it's really helpful for the game it's it's a it's a good indicator of how healthy the community is that it's drawing people like you to it and it's especially where you're not necessarily personally invested in the game itself but the lore alone seems to be what has drawn you to the game and then you've seen the community kind of thing and 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 built off of that so i think that's a good uh that's a good indicator of how of how healthy the 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 lore is advancing um as compared to when we started the narrative workshop how long ago was it three years i want to say ago yeah, at least. I mean, you know, I mean, let's see. Countercharge has been running for five years, so yeah, probably that. Uh, carry the one. <laughs> and there's something like that. We're not supposed to do math on the show, Ben. You know, yeah, sorry. I don't, yeah, I don't, that's I don't right. do math in public as a, as a rule. As a, yeah, exactly. But it's just, it's been interesting to see where 
the lore has come based on the episode we did. I think our first episode was actually on Basileia or Basalia, as we're supposed to say it now. Um, <laughs> for, for my for my first video, I did say I did call it Basilia or Basa no no uh, Basilia. I called it Basilia because I didn't know how to pronounce it, and now I look back, I'm like, oh yeah, man. Apparently, nobody does. So <laughs> don't you worry. No. <laughs> but. It's been it's been interesting to see how far it's been how far the lore has come from that original episode that we did way back when and how it's advanced and what all the developments have been and and looking forward to where it's going to be in the next year or two or three. And it's just I think it's really cool that and your videos are a great example of how cool the lore can actually be when it's taken in the right direction. So. Mm-hmm. So we appreciate I appreciate the work that you're doing I'm, and I, I, I'm, I'm sure that and obviously the community does as well because your videos always generate a lot of a lot of comments and a lot of a lot of thank yous and all of that for whenever you post them. So. All right, Jesus, we've talked about your videos like a hundred million times. How can somebody find these videos out on the interwebs? Well, specifically, you want to search for our Vondis on YouTube, where you will find a picture of my cartoon face. You click on that, a, a black and white picture of my cartoon face. You click on that, and you'll see uh, basically where I post all of my videos, not just Kings of War, but anything else that might interest you and any Dungeons of War brands. It's my focus to, like uh, – the war games out there with really good lore, I really want to put them out there because there's – let's be honest, guys. There's other stuff besides Warhammer out there. You should check them out. Very cool. So, you know, I mean sometimes people don't read the show notes. So can you spell that for our listeners? A-R-V-A-N-D-U-S. There you go. So now are you just on uh, YouTube or do you have a website as well? I currently not, don't really have – I mean I kind of do that I don't update i've been planning to and then i, I don't but i as i'm you can mainly find me on youtube or if you are also another thing another plug i guess which i already kind of plugged like if you're into listening to random people play role-playing games fanable.com is also good that's a website f-a-n-d-i-b-l-e that's where i play role-playing random role-playing games with my friends all right that sounds good all right well hey why don't we go ahead and take a commercial break and we're going to come back on the other side and we'll Talk about something that is really impacted the Kings of War community. We'll be back to Countercharge after this brief message! Hello, this is totally not Brian Blessed. Welcome back to Countercharge! As you may or may not have known, Kings of War, the community, we have lost a giant. Absolutely. Jesse Cornwell, our good friend, uh, passed away from cancer, and I just got to say cancer sucks. So I just want to take a moment here to kind of go around the table and uh, let everybody give their remembrances of Jesse. And um, uh, Ben has a little something special for us at the end of this particular part of the segment, and uh, then we'll go to commercial and we'll wrap up the show. But uh, Felix, you want to kick us off? Uh, Sure. Yeah. um, I, you know, where Jesse was from in West Virginia is not too far from where I live in Ohio. And he and his West Virginia crew came over quite often to Ohio for events and stuff like that. So I got to know him fairly well, sort of gave me some of the secrets on sportsmanship trophies. So watch out when we start doing GTs again. Yeah. A lot of little things. The guy actually cared a lot about the lore. So that was kind of neat. Yeah. That was one of his big complaints is that there was, he needed, he wanted more, he wanted more lore. 
which is kind of funny because he's now become kind of part of the community's lore. I miss the hell out of him. Uh, I enjoyed uh, hanging out with him a lot. Uh, I think he always one story he liked to tell me was that the Ohio guys, he liked hanging out with us because sometimes he'd go to tournaments and people would like, Oh, it's, it's, it's Jesse from Man- Mastercraft or this and that and all. And they'd start fawning. And then, you know, Ohio guys were like, what's up, a-hole, you know, we didn't care. You know, we, we knew him before, you know, he went on Mastercrafted. So, but yeah, just a great guy. Um, definitely, um, definitely going to miss him a lot. You know, we roomed together at, uh, the last Blue City brawl that they had uh, back in 2019, and uh, just a sweet, awesome guy. You know, I, my my partner that I had 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 to had to drop basically like the week prior. He just he messaged me. He's just like, "Hey man, I, I got a hotel room. You know, it's already paid for. You can stay the weekend. You know, no issues." So. But like I said, he's a big pillar in the community. You know, the, the the things that we've talked about to this day, you know, the Pizza Jesus, you know, Sweaty Gigante and stuff like that. I, I could go on forever, but yeah, just he's a good friend. I'm going to miss him. So, Hey, Zeus, do you have any uh, thoughts on Jesse? Well, I didn't know him personally. Like, I, I'll be honest, I've recently read about him on the Mantic plug, and from what I read, he seemed like a very cool guy. And honestly, like, the reason I decided to get into Ogres is why I saw that that figure that, that based on his design, the Ogre Warlock. And I thought, I guess, and, and especially the sign to, like, a lot of portion of the money that for for that figure, if you pre-order it or, I guess, purchase it in the future, like, goes to chari- the charity of his choice. It's like, I guess that's a sign I might as well start an army with this particular fig- figure. I'm planning to buy it in a day or two and just start with that. But from what I've read, he seemed like an awesome guy that everyone really liked, and I would have loved to have made, met him. Ben? Yeah, I, 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 I'm one of the people of the, probably a good portion of the, of the, Kings of War community that I didn't have a whole lot of dealings directly with Jesse. Um, mostly I knew him from his work on Mastercrafted and from being on various podcasts and stuff like that. But there's so many videos of Jesse just being himself at GTs and recordings of that. Uh, I remember at Masters when I was in Chicago, it was a year that I couldn't go. There was a recording just rob taking his camera or not his camera his microphone around and just uh just capturing the the general hangout vibe that was going on with all the different groups and everything like that and just there were several times that jesse was caught telling stories and 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 the man knew how to just ride with a crowd uh he knew how to knew how to tell a story he knew how to how to entertain he knew how to make people feel good most of my interactions with jesse happened over uh, over the Facebook chats from the various groups that he was in and stuff and just just listening to him interact and hearing yeah he he stuck up for he was a very surprising person one of the things that really surprised me about him was how much he loved adopting cats and fostering stray cats and stuff like that and ta- hearing him talk about them and it was just like that is the last thing I would have expected from from the kind of personality that he has is that this guy's a big old softy when it came to cats and stuff like that. And just the guy, 
like Shrek said, you know, he, he was like an onion. He had, he had different layers and some, some layers only certain people got to see. I don't claim to be among those, but the, the, the aspects that I saw of Jesse, he was definitely somebody that was, he was a good person. He was, he was good people. And so and the, the things he did for the, the Kings of War community, he was someone that people could rally around, whether or not they they knew him personally and could hang out. He he knew how to to get conversations going, sometimes out of control, but he knew how to get them going, and and he knew and he did a lot to help further the game and increase the camaraderie in the community in whatever way he saw his best, and so he was. He was, a, he was, as people have already said, he was a pillar of the community, and he'll be very sorely missed. So, Yeah, I can echo that. So, unfortunately, I didn't go to tons of tournaments, so, um, and I wasn't always at the cool kids' table uh, and the dinners out and stuff like that, but I always uh, loved the opportunities when I saw him. I remember at Adepticon once uh, during one of the tournaments, and he came running up, and he's like, i got to show you this. It's like... Okay, all right, I'm coming, I'm coming. And uh, he did his uh, giant, and he put the blaster figure he painted up, and uh, he was on the base of uh, one of his sweaty gigantes. Uh, it was really cool. And this the smile on his face. He was so proud of that model, and it really was cool. <laughs> so, But uh, he always just brought uh, laughter and just lit up a room. I mean, you, you knew when he was there. You know, that's the one thing. He, he had a gravitas to him that just, you know, you knew he was there. And, um, you know, it's just, uh, it's hard. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to say that I was his best of friends or anything like that. I just, you know, knew him through videos. And, you know, he knew me through Countercharge. And, uh, you know, I got to see him every once in a while. And I didn't really travel the tournament scene as heavily as, you know, like Felix uh, has and things like that. But uh, I always enjoyed the times when I've... Uh, had my chance to talk to him and uh you know uh you know he was into dead zone and you know it just uh, it's sad you know i've had a it's been an interesting couple of days for me so but uh it really 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 hit me and uh you know we've we've definitely lost a giant of the community and um again cancer sucks so that's all i gotta say all right uh ben Ben uh, actually wrote something really cool, and uh, we've asked him to include it in the show here. So I'm going to turn that over to Ben for now, and then we're going to fade to a commercial break. We'll come back to the other side. We'll do shout-outs and wrap up the show. The silence was as sudden as it was maddening. The two men couldn't see past the burlap bags that had been thrown over their faces once they'd been discovered hiding among the bodies of their party when the ogres had raided them in the night. Instead of a violent end, they had been bound and carried here, wherever here was, and thrown unceremoniously into what they assumed was some kind of tent. There came the sound of movement, and suddenly the two men found themselves blinking in the light of a fire built in the center of what appeared to be a spacious yurt with a hole in the ceiling to let the smoke out. Sitting before them was an ancient ogre, who was dressed in a large cloak decorated with strange writings and bright colors. He had on a massive belt with an even bigger buckle that held the strange design of a circle, with lines dissecting it into eight equal slices. Several smaller circles spread out like stars among a constellation. 
At his side were two ogre braves staring sternly down at the two men who quailed beneath their gaze. The older ogre held something in his hands. It looked like a mangled bracer of elven make, although the cruel-looking twists and wicked designs upon it cast doubt upon its origin. Cuts and scratches marred its surface, and what looked like dried bloodstains spattered its metal edges. The wizened ogres stared at it wistfully until a small gur panther rubbed up against his calf, purring loudly. The elder reached down absently and rubbed the top of the cat's head without looking up. The yurt was silent for a long time, as the two men waited for the ogres to speak, their breathing coming in shallow gasps. At length, the elder raised his head and looked at them. His eyes were hard, yet there was something tortured there. These eyes were rimmed with red, as though they hadn't slept in some time, or perhaps something else might have been the cause based on the long sigh that escaped the ogre's lips before he spoke. <sighs> you must be wondering why you aren't dead. The two men didn't respond, simply sitting and shaking before him. The ogre took another deep breath and closed his eyes, as if struck with a sudden pain in his chest. Normally, we wouldn't have bothered to bring you back here to our camp. We would have killed you and taken your gold. But today, something has happened. The ogre paused and opened his eyes, and the men were surprised to see that there was a sense of pleading behind his gaze. A warrior has passed from this world. He was a great chieftain who did so much to build his legacy. In our culture, the children have no claim to the heritage left by their parents. They must forge their own path and earn their own glory. Yet still, there are always gifts that one might give to those left behind. The elder held up the mangled bracer before continuing. I am proud to be one that has received such a gift, as are many others. You two are also recipients of his gifts, because he is the reason that you still draw breath. Tonight the clan is silent. Their grief is personal, and they extend greetings to each other with axe, and speak only with their eyes, all but me. For I am permitted to speak, in order to extend this great warrior's gifts to those even beyond our clan's borders. His legacy is that great that it must not be contained within our clan alone. The ogre leaned forward in his seat, and the men shrunk further away until their backs became pressed against the wall of the yurt. This is why you aren't dead yet. That, and our great warrior also loved strays. The elder once again reached down to scratch the head of the panther cub. If you agree to my terms, you will be spared to return to your homes, but if you break your word, there will be a terrible price. The terms are simple. You will take the story of our warrior and spread it abroad in your homeland, so that all may know and tremble at the might of this mighty being. Do you agree? The two men nodded enthusiastically, and the elder sat back in his seat, a great weight seemed to press down on his shoulders. Then I shall tell you the saga of Sweaty Gigante and our great lord of victuals in the sky. 
This is Andrew Summers, Martyr of the Brotherhood, and you are listening to Countercharge. And welcome back. All right. Well, hey, hey, Zeus, thank you so much for joining us on the show tonight. It's been fantastic having you with us. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, yeah. Well, I've definitely, like I said, I've got you on speed dial for the Basile Good or Bad uh, podcast. When we get that one tossed together, we're, we're, I think we still got one more panel member to seat. So you, you took one of the seats. So we'll get that set up. <laughs> and then uh, uh, it'll be great. So I'm really looking forward to that. So, but uh, Felix, any shout outs tonight? Not really. Uh, just remember everyone, you know, stay safe, you know, uh, like Jeremy says, he's a bit more of a positive thinker, uh, more trusting of people. I tend to look both ways on one-way streets, so that shows you my level of trust in people. But, you know, I think we're going to be on the tail end of uh, this pandemic. So, you know, let's make sure we stay safe and so we're all able to get back to the gaming table uh, once the GTs open back up. All right. Hey, Zeus, any shout-outs, any projects you need to make us aware of that you haven't Lately, any cool blogs, other YouTubers, uh, anything else you think our audience would be interested in? Not off the top of my head. No big projects. Just like Echo was previously said, just stay safe out there. Like, I mean, I, if there's lights at the end of the tub as far as I can see, but you know, stay safe. Keep keep yourself safe. I'm saying safe a lot. Just it's safety is important, guys. Just just be safe. I couldn't agree more. I'm the COVID officer at work, so I'm all over it. So, oh, no problem. So, Ben, any shout-outs tonight? Just shout-out to the community. It's been awesome to see how things have – well, awesome might be a, a, the wrong adjective, but – it's been it's been wonderful to see how the group the whole community's kind of come together. Even people over the over the tragedy of Jesse, like we were just talking about, over the pandemic, over just this past year. One of the things that's made it bearable has been the community and been all the the jokes and the talks and the UB tournaments and the content creators. They've been thanked dozens of times, and it, it's probably never going to be enough because they've been everybody's been part of the reason why it's that has helped gotten us all through this, this whole mess that's been the past, you know, 400 days and counting kind of thing. So just a shout out to everybody who's, who's managed to stay positive and, and put the safety of everybody before everything. And just, just an awesome community and all. Yeah. It's good to start seeing uh, some Kings of War tournaments come back. I know our own Matt Croger uh, ran, uh, Clash of Kings Australia, and it was great hearing tournament coverage back on Countercharge. Uh, very, very cool. I wish uh, that we could emulate what they're doing in Australia here in the States, and we can get back at it. So my daughter is going to be going to college in the fall, and I'm hoping that she's going to college in the fall. So that's what I'm hoping for. <laughs> More than anything else, get these kids out of my house. <laughs> I've got two of them going to school. And, uh, you know, actually, my daughter's really enjoying it. So I don't know if I'm going to be able to get her out and send her to college. She uh, wakes up at 10 o'clock, rolls downstairs, hits the love seat, class at 11 online. It's over. You know, uh, does her homework, and by the time we get home, she's on Discord with her friends playing video games. So, ah, uh, that's the life. Now, if I could only do that for hobby, that would be awesome. But 
not for me. I get to go to work and then pay for that. So, but uh, <laughs> very, very cool. Oh, uh, yeah. And I'm looking forward to tournaments and things like that happening. So uh, Origins got moved to October. So fingers crossed that we're going to be able to do Origins this year. You know, we were already going to miss Adepticon, but uh, well, we'll see what happens. Hopefully things will get back to normal and, uh, you know, it'll take a while. But uh, just everybody be safe, be well. And uh, just take care of everybody and, you know, in light of Jesse and, um, you know, my assistant's father just passed away uh, the same day Jesse passed away. You know, the only thing I can say is hug your loved ones. Life is way too short, people. Just be kind to one another and uh, be good. So and I think that's going to do it for tonight. And until next time, the pie, the slice, the bite. Amen. Jesse, brother, we miss you already. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Countercharge. Please let us know what you thought of the show by emailing us at counterchargepodcast at gmail.com, on Twitter at countercharge15. If you enjoy the show, you can help others find out about it by leaving positive reviews on iTunes. Until next time, keep countercharging. Music is a composition of Kevin McLeod and is licensed under Creative Commons.